Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome back. As promised, we bring in three-time manager of the year, Buck Walter. talk a little baseball, a little Hall of Fame, what the 2020 season may look like. And uh, joining us now here to discuss that is uh, Buck himself. Buck, thank you so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. How are you? Good, good. How are you this morning? I'm doing fine. Uh, Buck, let's start off with the Hall of Fame, which we uh, you know, got our Results last week of Larry Walker, of course, is going to be inducted into Cooperstown in July. Someone that you're very familiar with watching him on the field when you were a skipper. Uh, Also, in addition to him is, of course, someone that you're very familiar with is uh, Derek Jeter, the CEO of the Miami Marlins and a longtime great player in Major League Baseball. Nearly a unanimous vote, Buck, and I wanted to start off with Derek. I'm sure that you have some stories and some experiences with him very early on in his career that others don't. So what were your thoughts uh, first on Derek getting into the hall? Well, my first thought is, can I meet the guy that didn't vote for him or the gal? I mean, can you <laughs> come on. Uh, it's, you, know, you don't want to take away from it. Everybody has their theories, and sometimes you got to remember who's voting. But he, uh, you know, Derek was – it didn't take uh, – John Super Scout to understand Derek was going to have a chance to be a good player. I remember the first time I met him in the dugout. He came in out of the draft. He was about six one, about 160 pounds, soaking wet. And I'm going, ooh, I don't know. And then I met his mom and dad and his sister and saw how he interacted with them and realized what a solid foundation he had there. I thought that, I'd tell you, that excited me as much as anything, knowing a lot of things that challenged people, especially in New York City. You know, Daryl was going. Uh, you know that. You know he was going to be. Derek was going to be able to cope with it better than most. And uh, it was fun to watch him develop. I remember talking to Brian Butterfield, infield coach at the time. He was with him in Greensboro, North Carolina. He had made I don't know forty, fifty, sixty errors that year. And I said, Brian, what do you got? He goes, Oh, he's fine. He's got a little footwork issue. He drops steps. He's got too much time in high school. His clock will get adjusted. He's going to be a big league impact player. I went, Really? And that's some of the things that you know get missing today is those instructors that are able to see that. But uh, you know that's the type of player you're supposed to get when you're picking in the first five picks in the country. Yeah, and, and as far as Derek, you know, back to him as a player, and then I want to ask you about him as is now as the CEO of the Marlins. But you know, as a player, Buck, it's very rare in this day and age, and and you've seen it now being a manager with a number of different ball clubs for one player to stay 
with his franchise, with his organization, for as long as he didn't only stay with one. Uh, it's it's kind of like a lost element to the game. Um, do you think that that is something that simply will go away in baseball, where Derek is, you know, kind of on an island there? Very few players end up playing with their same organization forever. I mean, even some of the greatest that we've seen in the last 20 years, Albert Pujols, of course, uh, ended up leaving and going to the Angels and, uh, it just doesn't seem like that's happening anymore. And, and for me, that's something that was special about the game many years ago. Well, what's tough is I think what separated Derek, and I don't want to get too deep here, is his skills stayed so long. And what happens, there's an old expression that uh, Gene Michaels, the GM, when Derek was drafted, told me, he said, never let a star fall on you. In other words, get a year ahead of it and a year later, because when you have an established, well-loved star and his skills start diminishing, and he can't do it anymore, but yet you're trying to treat him with respect, but you're also trying to win because you're the general manager of the manager. Derek's skills never got to that point, and that's another reason why the Yankees wanted him around. I mean, Derek probably could have played another year, but uh, I think you know he, he'd always been able to deal uh, deal in reality, and uh, but I think the economics of the game, you know, so the Yankees could afford to pay him what he was worth on and off the field. A lot of teams can't do that. They can't hold to on to a guy in Kansas City for 15 years. It just economics don't work for them. We all know it's not a level playing field. Anybody tries to say it is. There are things that, you know, the Los Angeles Dodgers can do that the Oakland A's can't do. But it's an excuse to lose if, if you approach it that way. I've been on both. I've always been on one side of it. When I was with the Yankees, we were in the middle of the road payroll. But, uh, now, Derek, uh, so proud of him. You know, we used to just a, just a glance back and forth across the field out of respect, but both respected the competition so much. You know, fans didn't want to see you fraternizing and all that other stuff, but I think he, he knew what I thought of him, and I, I hope he respected me. Buck Walter is with us, managed the Yankees, of course, the Diamondbacks, the Rangers, more recently the uh, Baltimore Orioles. And, and Buck, when, when you look at it and you look specifically at Derek at this point, He's now the chief operating officer of the Miami Marlins. So you talk about seeing it one way as a player, now seeing it as an owner of the Marlins. And you, of course, have been with a number of organizations and dealt with different owners as well. Uh, you know, it, everyone is obviously going to be critical of anybody who takes over a franchise. And this one in particular, the Miami Marlins, had had their history. You were on the other side of the field against the Marlins for many years, too. What are your what were your thoughts when he decided to take on that role? And from afar at this point, what are your thoughts on the progress of the franchise now? Well, I love the way he's going about it. You know, he's he understands that uh, uh, there's going to be some bumps along the way. There's a lot of criticism. You're not seeing him out there going, "Do you know who I am?" Thumping his chest, and how dare you question anything? He realizes that along with this very hard undertaking and they're having to do it different in Florida and Miami than they're able to do it in New York. Okay. It's just the different time frame. And once you get good, which they will get good, they're getting better every year. I love some of the things they've done with their roster. Hey, I'm biased, you know, Don Mattingly, Derek Jeter, sorry. <laughs> and a lot of people in baseball, quite frankly, on and off the field are pulling for them because, you know, they're doing it. Uh, a very humanistic way. They're using all the analytics you can use, but they're also uh, taking a look at a guy's gut and his, his stomach and his heart a little bit too. And I look at some of the moves they've made this past offseason. you got to wade through some of the mistakes that were made there before you can even get into your own personnel. 
Buck, uh, let's let's move on from uh, the Hall of Fame and, and move on to where the game can is. Can I say right. one thing? Yeah, you can say what, Buck. You, 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 you the talking about, Yeah. No, you're talking about Larry Walker. I just want people to realize yeah. that because he played in Colorado, and some people talked about the ballpark. Larry Walker was probably one of the top three base runners I ever saw, and I love him getting recognition for that. Could really run the bases. A lost art uh, today. I mean, I saw him twice against us hit a single up the middle for a double because the guys had to play so deep in center field and Coors Field. Never stopped. Everything was a double until you stopped him. And uh, great defender, great thrower. And then let's just all of a sudden think that he might be a good hitter too. Good selection. I'm glad they didn't penalize him for playing so long in Colorado. In Colorado. Okay, I just want to get that out there. Thanks. Yeah, but listen, Buck, everybody's happy that uh, this doesn't go down to some sort of veterans committee, and he got it in the last year. I mean, that's you know super important at this point, uh, not to leave it up to that because you never know yeah. what can happen. And the, and and to me, Buck, and you know, speaking transparently, it does seem like the committees at this point there is a lot of politicking going on for different guys who are getting in and yeah, out. So I'm happy it's sad. I. Uh... You know, we all have our own personal opinions where Pete Rose and Bonds and Clemens comes into play. But I was glad to see, you know, I saw Larry when he was 17 in the New York Penn League. He was playing with a co-op team, which meant it was happening. Had people, you know, each team, there's a bunch of teams that send five or six players. And he was just starting out. And I think one of the Brett brothers was the manager. Now he's managing the Oneonta Yankees, about 28 maybe. And he, he's on first base, long fly ball hit in the deep left center field. Our center fielder runs it down at the last second. He's three-quarters away to third base. And now he's got to backtrack, come all the way back to first base. Not knowing any better, he he cuts across the field right over the mound. It's hilarious. Hmm. I mean, that's how raw the guy was. The pitcher's standing there looking at him. He says, oh, wait a minute, the shortest point between two lines. I kidded him about that later, and he says, please don't tell anybody about that. Well, I did. <laughs> I did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, Larry uh, Walker. Yeah, great, great player. Um, people forget about his days at the Expos too, and shame what happened there. But uh, Buck, uh, okay, so uh, Buck, look, you're you're one of the the best managers in the game. There's no doubt. You you've been at this a long time, and um, you you've seen a lot. We've never seen anything like we've seen in baseball with what's happened with the Houston Astros. Uh, you know, certainly it's the story at this point that continues to go on. Uh, there has been deeper dives into exactly what has been happening. We have saw a manager fired. We saw a uh, general manager fired. And then all of a sudden uh, some news broke, and, and news broke in the sense that they were looking for a new manager, and immediately your name goes to the top of the list. And so there were reports that you had interviewed uh, for the Astros to give people the full scope of this, and they uh, hired Dusty Baker as the manager too. So... Uh, Buck, let's let's get into that if you wouldn't mind, because I'm curious your thoughts on what you had heard, uh, potentially how your interview went with the Astros, and how baseball moves forward from this. Wow, how much time do you got? Uh, <laughs> no, he, uh, no, I uh, I got talked with Dusty. I'm excited for him. I know how much he he wanted that, and uh, I think he's perfect for the job. I'm glad to see him get the opportunity. They've got a very unique set of challenges there. And in some ways, I don't think anybody, including them, understand just how tough it's going to be. It really is. And one of the things people that you really haven't been in the arena don't understand sometimes is there's such a mental and emotional edge you need. I don't know whether it's the little engine that could or the uh, – you just need an emotional edge to a 162-game season. And that's going to be the biggest challenge is getting that back because they're going to be the villain everywhere. And they're going to face a lot of challenges that – they've never faced before and it's going to be some uncharted territory. And I think Dusty's perfect 
there. You know, I talked with him. I, I sat down with him. It was an honor to be asked. And I don't know. I think I'm like the Buffalo Bills. I finished second, I think, twice or three times this offseason. And that's okay. fine. It's enough. We got really good uh, people that have been hired. And I'm excited to, to get the baseball season started just to hopefully start getting some of this behind us. It's all about can you trust the game? Can you trust it? It was like the steroid thing. It was like, you know, uh, you're, when we had the strike back when I was with the Yankees, you know, we had to get back where fans could trust the game. And that's important. And, uh, you know, I was on the competition committee. One of the things I kept saying is, you know, we're allowing tablets in the dugouts. The replay rooms are right behind the dugout. I mean, what are you you're asking for trouble? And, uh, I mean, it's not an I told you so thing. It's just we have to eliminate some of the temptations. You know, it's just – and unfortunately today's – technical game people have all these you know ways to to i call them shortcuts there's a lot of people looking for shortcuts and there are no shortcuts to long-term success and and there's a lot of lazy work going on quite frankly and the boots on the ground have been kind of you know looked at differently and uh i don't know there's a lot of people um that i know that are saying i told you so so unfortunately we we got to thing we're going to have to dig out. And like I told the people in Houston, it's self-inflicted. People don't want to see you complain about it or make any excuses of why it happened. You're going to have to wear it. You're going to have to wear it and you're going to have to move on. I'd like to be a pitching coach in the American League West the last three years that was in charge of getting your pitchers to get them out and maybe along the way lost their job. I mean, it's uh, there's there's some real bitterness involved here. Yeah, and, and and Buck, you know, there was a you know story that came out yesterday. I don't know how aware you are of the the social media. No, aspect. believe me, if there's anything on in a paper or on social media, you're going to have to tell me about it. Okay, it, it okay, makes my life a lot easier. Okay, I'll do that for you on this one. Okay, so uh, on social media yesterday, there was an individual, and now it's been you know talked about quite a bit that went through every single game in 2017 and did a full analysis as to how often. The trash can was banged when it was banged, when it wasn't, which players on the Astros percentage-wise uh, used that to their advantage specifically. And and now they're dissecting it to the point, Buck, where uh, there was a pitcher, I believe, last year, and I, the name escapes me, I believe it was Bolsinger, who uh, faced the Astros, gave up four runs. Uh, you know, the trash can was banging, never saw another day in the major leagues. And, and to me, that is where it really hits home because you're talking about you know, a, you know pitchers who really may only get one opportunity in their lives and then had to deal with that. So that's what hit me. Well, you think about – and, you know, that's what I was talking about, how fragile a young pitcher's psyche is. And I always tell them when they come up, I go, guys, don't put this on too high a pedestal. You can do this. It's just the consistency that's needed. And when they get their – you know, the air knocked out of their sails, first two outings, and – they really start doubting themselves. Some don't recover. Some don't recover. And, you know, that's kind of what I was talking about. It's There's a lot of different facets to this. It's sad, but, you know, and I just – I don't think uh, simple spring training is going to solve it. Okay. Um, so we're talking with Buck Walter, by the way. Last a question on this. As a big league skipper, someone who's won manager of the year several times with as much experience as anybody ha- having success – uh, I, I guess at this point, knowing Dusty's going to take the job, potentially uh, you could have advice. You could have had a way that you would have done things. What would your advice be? What kind of advice did you give uh, to the Astros, to uh, the ownership, to Jim Crane, to say, hey, here's how 
this can be made right? What in your mind? Well, how could I, it have been made right? I wouldn't. Uh, first of all, you got to go into it knowing that initially you're not. You know, I didn't give advice. They're not looking for advice. They, you know, PR wise, they have had a rough go the last couple of weeks, quite frankly. But it'll, hopefully, it'll get better with Dusty there. But um, you know, there's there's no blueprint for this. And I told them it's if you come out at all saying, well, this is why it happened, and I was this, and this, and I wish, you know, I, it, you just got to wear it and say, hey, you know, it's like when I went into Baltimore, I said, listen, we've had a lot of lip service about how we're going to do this, and we're going to get better, whatever. You've heard it all. I'm not saying anything. I'm just going to show you. I'm going to show you. You know, baseball, you know, to me, if you look in a lot in a dugout during a game, you look in a dugout during a game, you're going to see maybe two or three people there sometime, and you're going, where are they? Well, they're in the clubhouse. Not all of them are using the bathroom. That's another thing. I think when the game starts, everybody should stay in the dugout. Just instead of saying we don't trust you, just eliminate eliminate the uh, you know the temptation. And I think in today's electronical world and all the technology involved, I mean, it's like you know people are, seem to be ahead of testing sometime and and with some of the uh, enhancement stuff. And I just I think there's too much lure, too much money to get ahead to not have some temptations out there. So I think we need to get ahead of the temptations. Okay, Buck, let's uh, let's move on to you. You broke a little news here Thank saying you. that that you were the uh, Buffalo Bills. I mean that was that was interesting. I mean we got the Super Bowl cut <laughs> up. So they, they, yeah, I mean I wasn't. I mean I I think there's been reports that you have interviewed. I wasn't aware specifically how close it was. Oh, uh, but I, I would... don't know about that. Maybe maybe okay. that's uh, wishful thinking. <laughs> oh, well, I'm, I mean, I would have guessed that you would have been a, a skipper by now, but now the choice is for no, you no. at this point. It's a different world. Oh. Go ahead. Okay, but but the choice for you at this point is to continue to manage or to do what you're so great at, which is going on TV also. I mean, I could make the case that you're just as good as a broadcaster as you are as a manager. Uh, where, where do you see yourself uh, this year? Where do you see yourself in the future? Well, I tell you, I don't think I've ever been treated as well as I was at the S Network. They were um, – classic group. I don't think there's a better, uh, well, I know there's not a better <clears throat> broadcasting group than them. And I'm not saying that because I may work with them this year. And I've worked with uh, a lot of different groups. I've never just, so I'm probably going to do some things with the S network. Let's face it. Talking about the Yankees is not that hard. They're a pretty solid group of good people. And I really like Aaron, but, uh, you know, I may do a little stuff with MLB TV. We'll see. But, uh, you know, it's an honor to be asked to do any of that stuff. And um, it's a hard game. I think a lot of broadcasters and people forget about how hard the game was to play and, and how bad they were on a given night. And that's what I like about David Cohn and John Flaherty and, and uh, all the people that, that work there, Paul and Neil, because they realize that, uh, you know, it's hard and you got to have, you got to toe the line between, you know, being a know-it-all and saying everybody should have done this. I, I, what I do, I try to give people the options. Here's the options that Aaron had, and he knows a lot of things that we don't know. Let's have respect for that. Here's what he happened to choose. You make up your own mind. So uh, you, you clearly, with interviewing for the uh, Astros and a couple of other gigs, though, Buck, you'd love to, or you'd like to, I don't want to put words in your mouth, you'd like to, I assume, uh, get back in the dugout at some point. Do you? But you, you threw in there, it's a different game. Do you feel that way? I mean, do you still think that next year, the year after, if things don't work out for you this year, that you'd uh, be a skipper again in the know. big leagues? I don't know. You know, between uh, New York, I went straight to Arizona. And then uh, Texas was a couple years in between. Baltimore was a couple or three years in between. And this has only been a year plus. So 
I don't really look at it that way. You know, it is what it is. The game's been great to me, and whatever happens, you know, happens. I just want to make sure I'm running the race that I'm supposed to be running in my life. You know, what time we all have left on this earth, and um, we'll see. I don't stay up about it. It's an honor to be asked, to be considered, and the game's changed, but it's not changed. you still got to do the same thing to be successful, and, uh, you know, we're all using the same numbers and all the different statistics, and everybody knows what WOBA and uh, all the different stuff that's out there, ECR zone ratings, I know all that stuff, but you know, 14 teams finished under 500 last year. If we're all using the same stuff, depending on who, how you want to weight it, then why are some teams struggling and some teams aren't? And, uh, you know, being able to evaluate that six tool and the other things that go into making good evaluations on players is very important. And, you know, we'll see where life takes me. I'm not staying up at night. It's still uh, an honor to be in the game. It's been very good to me. Uh, okay, we're wrapping up with Buck Walter, three-time manager of the year. This is the, the least fun part of the interview, the obligatory who is going to win the Super Bowl question, Buck, oh. if, you have, if you have any interest at all. The uh, Chiefs – Okay. <laughs> the no, chief, I'm kidding. The, I'm, the, kidding. The, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> the, I'm a big, big SEC guy. Okay. All right. Uh, Chiefs and 49ers on Sunday. Uh, the Buck Walter official pick of the Super Bowl on Sunday. Chiefs 49ers. I hope Kansas City wins. I love the quarterback. I love the – the way he handles himself, the way he goes about his business. And I actually, you know, not I live here in Dallas. He's pretty well thought of in this area. But uh, And I'm just not familiar, familiar with the 49ers because they play out on the West Coast. Let's face it, uh, if you're on the East Coast or even the Central, you don't pay as much attention to Seattle and and uh, San Francisco, L.A. As, as most people do. So, Kansas City, I hope. What do you think? Uh, I mean, it, it seems like that's the right way to go, and we're wrong a lot. So I feel like taking Kansas City is the right way to go, and San Francisco wins the game. That's kind of like been my yeah. theory all week long. Yeah, I guess I'm big. I, mean, I got to be a big Raven fan. I really know Coach Harbaugh. Think a lot of him, and uh, I was disappointed they didn't get further along. But they were they were fun to watch. Yeah, one and done in the NFL, man. It is so tough. You know, you have that one bad game, and it just everything goes for naught. You couldn't complete a lot of fourth downs there. Just had trouble there. Um, well, Buck, listen, it's always been a pleasure, and it is a pleasure, uh, you know, with you coming on the show. I really appreciate it, and it is an honor to have you on my show. And I wish you all the best this season, uh, whether it's in the broadcast booth or in the dugout, and I hope to catch up with you again soon. Thanks for doing it. Okay, I appreciate you having me. Y'all take care. Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.